Ever notice that if you go and decide one day that you're going to raise your rates, that you're going to demand a higher salary, a bigger raise, a more compensation, or just more from somebody else in any part of your life, that when you do that, the fear that you had of people completely rejecting you very often is not met by people rejecting you, but is met by people saying, what took you so long? We will happily give you everything you're asking for. And if you don't get that response, ever wonder what's really happening there because you know you're worth it. Well, it turns out there is something beneath this phenomenon that is really driving it that may not be so obvious. And I've had some experiences in conversation recently that brought this to bear and I wanted to talk a bit about it. And that's where I'm going in today's Good Life Project riff. Along with that, in our weekly Good Life Science update, we're diving into some kind of fascinating new research on traffic noise and how that affects your risk for heart disease. So city dwellers or people who are around a whole bunch of noise, maybe even loud office noise during the day, take note, you will want to hear this. The show is sponsored by meditation app 10% Happier. So the app, it comes with courses that they teach you how to stress better, deal with difficult emotions, and build healthier habits. I love that the material is entertaining and relatable. The host, New York Times bestselling author Dan Harris, he's funny, he's real, he's vulnerable, and he's teamed up with some of the world's best meditation teachers to show you how meditation helps kind of smooth out some of life's wrinkles using cutting edge science and hard won experience to demonstrate the tangible benefits that meditation can have. And listeners of Good Life Project get 40% off. Just go to 10percent.com slash goodlife. That's 10% all spelled out, T-E-N-P-E-R-C-E-N-T dot com slash goodlife. And if you aren't ready to meditate just yet, but are curious how smart, ambitious people use meditation and benefit from it, well then check out the 10% Happier podcast. Either way, you can find it all at 10percent.com slash goodlife. Okay, so... Here's the deal. I've been an entrepreneur for a whole lot of years. I've also worked in big companies or massive government organizations, bureaucracies. And there comes a time in everybody's sort of work existence where they want more. They know they're worth more and you want to be compensated for it. Maybe you're an employee and you're thinking to yourself, I deserve a raise or I deserve a bigger bonus. Maybe you are a private practice professional, a therapist, a coach, a yoga instructor, a physician, whoever it may be. And you know you've been doing this for a long time. You know you've gotten really good. You know you are worth a lot more than you are charging, very likely, because you haven't raised your rates in a really long time. And very often that is based on a massive fear that people abandon you because that's the most important thing. So here's the interesting thing about that. There is this concept out in the world, and it's in the marketing space, called price implies quality. But that's not the real truth. So what does that actually mean anyway? Well, if you look at certain products or services, you will actually judge the quality of those not just on how they taste, how they look, how they feel, you know, the, the nature of the solutions, their ability to actually deliver on what's promised, 
but you will judge based on the packaging, based on the price, right? So if you have two bottles of wine side by side without labels on them, and you tell one person the bottle on the left is a $5 bottle of wine and the bottle on the right is a $50 bottle of wine, and then you give them those two bottles of wine, in research, we know that the people will tell you the $50 bottle tastes better, even if those bottles were actually reversed. So price literally changes people's experience of something that they buy or that they're given. It implies a certain quality and your brain buys into that quality. That goes for people too. So in the context of you being an employee somewhere and wanting to be paid a certain amount of money, right? How much you get paid or how much you ask to be paid implies to a certain extent the quality of what you're giving. If you are a private practice professional and you put rates out, public rates per hour or retainer, the level of those rates will imply something about the quality of your service. So for example, if you're charging $100 an hour, people who want to work with the absolute best and have money to work with the absolute best if the absolute best in your particular field charges $500 to $1,000 an hour, they will look at your $100 an hour. And even if you are just as good as those top-notch players, they will not even give you the time of day. Why? Because your price is so far below what they expect to pay for extraordinary quality that they assume you are not that person. And they will assume there's something either wrong with you or you simply don't have the chops to be paid at that level and they literally will eliminate you from their consideration. But here's the interesting thing. That is not the entire truth. The whole price implies quality thing is the surface level rule in the context of you getting what you're worth. I was recently having a conversation with um, somebody who I mentored a couple of years back and we stayed in loose touch and what's interesting is that conversation happened at nearly the same time as a second conversation, which was almost identical. And it went something like this, hey, how you doing? Let's catch up. And then during the conversation, this person said to me, you know, I, I want you to know, you know, like a couple of years back, remember I was really struggling and, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to fill my private practice. And I was at this level and I knew it was kind of like on the lower side of the market and I pretty much doubled my rates one day, woke up and doubled my rates one day. And I have a packed private practice now. And this person said to me, I had no idea. All it would take would be to literally double my rates. And I had a similar conversation with somebody else who took a couple of years to get to that point, all within a couple of days. And my response was this, on the surface, you're right. On the surface, it's the old price implies quality argument. But that's only part of the story because the real thing that people are responding to here is not just the price. Yes, bringing your price up into the range of people's expectations who want to work with somebody who they assume has that higher level of qualification that higher ability to deliver on an outcome, that puts you in the game of them not immediately closing the window or the door on considering you. 
whether it's at a company, an organization, a nonprofit, or you're looking to build a private practice. But here's the thing. That doesn't close the deal. That only keeps you in consideration long enough for the real game-changing experience to happen. And what is that game-changing experience? Well, it is the shift in your own internal belief system that allows you to say, I am going to charge X times more than I was charging before. It is the shift in your willingness to actually stand in a value proposition, your ability to say, you know what? Oh, hell yeah. I've been doing this a long time. I have my 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000 hours in. I have this history. I have a track record. I am able to deliver on particular outcomes. I know this. I know it in every fiber of my being, in the nucleus of every cell in my body. I know it because I've seen the outcomes and the track records that I have delivered consistently in the past through different organizations, different employers, different projects, different clients, whatever it may be. And when you can stand in that place, when you make that deeper shift in belief, That shift, not just the manifestation in the form of increasing your prices or your salary demands, that deeper internal shift in beliefs and willingness to stand publicly in your capabilities, that is what people are responding to, not just the change in price. The change in price lets somebody say, okay, based on what this person is asking me for in terms of compensation, yes, they must be a player at a certain level. But if you then turn around and they say, okay, let me talk to you for you know a, a hot minute, and they sense immediately that your internal beliefs do not support the price that you are placing yourself in, it's game over, it's end, right? There is no further conversation. You don't have to say anything. You will telegraph it. So if you put your price up there and you're tepid about it and you truly don't believe that you're worth it, they will feel it. It will resonate negatively and they won't believe it. There will be a cognitive dissonance that happens. They won't be able to resolve it, but they will know something is wrong, whether it's a proposed client or vendor or company or boss. They will sense something's not right. And it doesn't matter if you're asking for more or charging more. You will never get what you want. The shift happens when you do the work to develop the skill, the craft, the capabilities, the track record, the history, the proof, and then do the internal work to create the shift in mindset and cultivate the belief that says, oh, hell yes, I am worth this. And then... When somebody gets past the price and has a conversation with you, you are able to stand in that value when you are in conversation with them. That is what is really going on here. Price implies quality, especially when we're talking about employment or personal service. That will keep you in the game, but it will not close the deal. It will not even come close to that. That will not get you the salary you want. It will not get you the value you're worth. It will not 
impact your private practice. The internal game, the belief shifting, the standing in capabilities and proof, that, that is the true game changer. And that's the seed I wanted to plant with you today. So I hope as always, you found that valuable. I like to try and bounce between the three different buckets, connection, vitality, and contribution. And this is pretty squarely focused in the contribution, the meaningful work side of our three buckets. Because I want you to get paid what you're worth. And I'm pretty sure you want to get paid what you're worth too. That's what I'm thinking about. Play with it, work with it. And let me know how it goes if you experiment with this. Really excited to share our science update with you today, especially as a city dweller, because we're going to be talking about traffic, noise, and heart disease. Good Life Project is supported by HubSpot. Complex enterprise software, it shouldn't get in the way of launching your next campaign. That is why HubSpot built the new Marketing Hub Enterprise. So say goodbye to countless hours of software management. Their platform offers the power and flexibility that scaling companies need to succeed with the ease of use that you expect. So you match every customer interaction to revenue, use AI to test and optimize, and create more personalized experiences. Plus, you can integrate HubSpot with hundreds of other tools and apps. So stop managing your outdated and overly complex software and start creating remarkable customer experiences. Learn more about the new features in Marketing Hub Enterprise at hubspot.com slash Wondery. That's hubspot.com slash Wondery. Good Life Project is supported by Signature Hardware. So if you're looking for the perfect item to take your kitchen or bathroom or house up a notch, head over to SignatureHardware.com slash goodlife. They offer an incredibly wide variety of pieces for every room in your house with more than 20 years experience supplying vanity, sinks, tubs, hardware, plus all the classics, latest styles, and they're in sync with all the trending colors and design touches. And they also have amazing customer service to help guide you through the process. So you'll never feel lost or intimidated. Gotta love a company that really stands behind what they offer. Stephanie and I actually picked out a collection of eight furnishings that we love. They're unique and are 100% our style, so maybe you'll like them too. And you can see for yourself at SignatureHardware.com slash goodlife. You'll be amazed at the variety and the quality. So visit SignatureHardware.com slash goodlife to find your style today. That's SignatureHardware.com slash goodlife. Or just click the link in the show notes now. Real life isn't always perfect, but with signature hardware, it is beautiful. And welcome back to today's Good Life Science Update, where we geek out together on the intersection between science and various aspects of living a good life. This is where I share my geekery about studies, research, science that in some way touches on our ability to fill one of or all of our three good life buckets, contribution, connection, and vitality. As always, we will share a bit more information for those who want in the show notes. Today, what are we talking about? We're talking about something which actually is deeply interesting to me because I am a city dweller. I live in the heart of New York City, Manhattan, where something like a bazillion people and a quarter bazillion cars and trucks and buses and all sorts of other things that create traffic and noise go whizzing by all day long. 
and a recently published review in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology took a look at the relationship between noise, environmental noise, especially road traffic and other stuff, and heart disease. And this is a little bit concerning for for a noise-dwelling person like me. As I sit here, I'm actually sitting in our, our recording studio in New York City, where, as you guys know, longtime listeners, it's usually super quiet with the exception of the occasional siren or super, super loud truck backing up and beeping or something like that. But that is also because, you know, when the one window of this studio, we actually have four layers of acoustic glass and all sorts of soundproofing blocking this stuff out. But if I were to open that, what you would hear would be radically different. So I'm going to go ahead and do that for you in just a second so you can hear the difference between the studio and then what normal noise would be in my New York City apartment. Here is the studio. And here's what it would sound like with the windows open in this same room. And here's back with the window closed. Now that was up on the fifth floor and that was very, very quiet on the street that has amplified dramatically. And here's the thing. It turns out that apparently researchers have known for quite some time that traffic noise, especially in the noise of city or this, the noise of traffic cars on, on highways and traffic and beeping horns and stuff like that, actually has a negative effect on your risk for heart disease. But nobody's really known really quite how that happens. So researchers decided to try and figure out what physiological, epidemiologic changes, um, what evidence can we find of noise-induced cardiovascular disease, and what might be the cause? Like, what would the noise, what would the relationship be between traffic noise and heart disease risk, because we know, apparently, that it increases your risk for heart disease. And they think they may have come up with a bit of an answer. And it is in the form of what this noise does in terms of stress induction in your body. Turns out that if you look at the changes in chemistry in your body and physiology and nervous system response, that there's a really strong argument that says that this sustained level of traffic noise actually sets off the fight, flight, or freeze response. It activates the sympathetic nervous system in your body. And that is, you know, actually really healthy and really good. When it is activated on a really short-term basis, it's the thing, it's the classic thing we all learned in high school, you know, that uh, uh, tiger jumps out in front of you, or if there's, you know, mortal danger, or you need to have a superhuman strength to run really fast, or be, you know, super capable of things that this is the system that pulses changes in chemistry through your body that lets that happen. And that's really good every once in a while. And if you immediately use all that chemistry to 
do the things you need to do and have it dissipate quickly and return to normalcy. Problem is when this same thing is being triggered by high levels of noise and then it's being sort of uh, kept there on a sustained basis. Well, that stress response, that sympathetic nervous system activation and all of the chemistry that it releases through your body can lead over time to things like hypertension and diabetes and oxidative stress, meaning literally like your insides start to rust and all sorts of things that start to really affect your cardiovascular system and the health of your cardiovascular system. And scientists believe that the relationship then between this noise and heart disease comes from the fact that high levels of sustained traffic noise can trigger sort of this sustained sympathetic nervous system activation, which courses these chemicals through you, which become massively destructive to nearly every system in your body if they're sustained over time. So what does that mean? Well, what do you do about that? <laughs> that is my big question as a city dweller. What am I going to do about that? Does that mean I'm going to move so I can kind of live out in a bucolic park-like place or go out to the suburbs where I can open my windows all day, every day, and just hear the chirping of the birds and the rustling of the leaves? Maybe I actually really like that. What's interesting is that I don't really notice the sound in New York anymore. You habituate to it pretty quickly. But what's kind of fascinating is that this and some other research shows that while sort of cognitively I may habituate to it, meaning I don't really notice it anymore, I'm not consciously aware of the sound for the vast majority of the day. My systems, my subtler body systems may well be aware of it and may well be affected and triggered by it on a level that I'm not aware of and the damage that's done can be real. So what do I do about that? Well, I can try and change the internal noise in where I am, but I can also try and do things where I'm getting out into environments that take me out of sustained traffic noise, sustained city types of noise, sustained high levels of chaotic noise as often as I can. I can also do things that alter my environment in a pretty substantial way. So I'm not wearing them now, but I have a, a actually two different pairs of noise canceling headphones. And when I wear them, it's kind of like the world vanishes away. I got them first because I use them to fly because the ambient noise in an airplane for short haul travel, it's not such a big deal. But if you're traveling a bit longer haul, you'll notice that you, you, at least I notice, I tend to land a bit disoriented and agitated. And part of that is because of the sustained very high levels of noise that are in the plane. And my noise canceling headphones do a fantastic job of eliminating the vast majority of that. The other thing that they let you do is if you are then listening to music or podcasts or anything else through those headphones, and this is a less than obvious thing, they actually not only tune out a lot of the outside noise and traffic noise and, and the buzzing and chaotic and stuff, they allow you to listen to whatever is the signal in your headphones at a much lower volume because that signal, whatever it is you're listening to, it no longer has to compete with the ambient noise. So have you ever had this experience? You're walking down the street listening to headphones and it sounds like a perfectly normal level and you know, it's not too loud. But then the moment you get inside, 
you realize that you're actually blasting your ears at a really high volume because you're compensating, try and make up for the ambient noise, very often the loud, chaotic noise outside so that your ears can distinguish what you're listening to from that noise. And once you get into a quieter space, you realize how much you're truly assaulting your ears. And now we know your brain, your auditory centers, and potentially triggering that destructive sympathetic nervous system response. So something to think about. We have many ways to actually control the level of ambient noise in our worlds these days. And if you know that being in sort of loud, trafficy, chaotic city noise over a long period of time can have a detrimental effect, not just your mood, but to your physiology, maybe start to think of ways to create intentional moments that lower the volume, forgive the pun, on that noise to let your body come back to baseline, to reset a little bit and come out of that fight or flight, that low level sustained fight or flight state and recalibrate into a calmer, healthier place. That's what I'm thinking about uh, as I think about how I interact with and live with noise in a city that I am not planning on leaving in the immediate future, but I do want to live more graciously and gracefully in. Hope you found that helpful. As always, love to share whatever it is I'm discovering in the world of science and how it helps you live a good life. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project. Hey, thanks so much for listening. And thanks also to our fantastic sponsors who help make this show possible. You can check them out in the links we've included in today's show notes. And while you're at it, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode and then share the Good Life Project love with friends because when ideas become conversations that lead to action, that's when real change takes hold. See you next time.